Hey guys, thank you for listening to the No More Silence podcast. This is Jarrell. Um, just a real quick message from me and from us at, at Post Eden. When we started this podcast, we wanted to make sure that we kept the audio somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. And I just say that because uh, when we first recorded this particular episode, it went to about 40 to 45 minutes. So we ended up breaking this into two parts. So if it feels like it ends a little abruptly, don't be worried. Don't be concerned. We'll pick up where we left off next week. Um, but I do want to honor your time. And I, I do want to keep this two hour, 20 minute sort of, of time. But but we'll get right into it. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And let's get started. I am here to offend all of you. There was no preparation, inclination, or thought about whatsoever. How does Satan kill? You just need to stop it. Why are these Why are these people here? Why, why are they here? You've almost made it to the weekend. Give us some men who know the truth. going on guys it's Jarrell listening to the no more silence podcast that's a post eating production hope everyone has been having a good week I wanted to say something before we get started with the lesson the things that I say about the Bible I'm saying them not as your pastor if you want to understand and live by God's word, then you need to be part of a church. That is a gathering of physical people who meet together to know God greater in their lives. And they fellowship, they hang out, they listen to the preaching of God's word by a pastor. And that is not me. Nobody does that because I'm not a pastor. You could think of this as some midweek reminders of what it says in God's word that you should be learning from your pastor. I'm not him. Don't supplement me for going, being with God's people, listening to God's word. Don't substitute me for that. But this will be a great um, companion to the preaching of God's word that you hear on Sundays or Saturdays or whatever day you go. So today we're going to be learning about Joseph. Now in the Bible, Joseph was Jacob's son. When God will talk to people, he would say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the last name on that list, and he was Abraham's grandson. Now Jacob's son was Joseph. So he's only one family removed from, you know, the three dudes that God names. Joseph was Abraham's great grandson. And in the story and in the history of God's people, Joseph is a crucial figure. Joseph is an important person to the people of God in the Bible and the Old Testament and in general. He was a wise man. He was intelligent. He knew how to work hard. He knew how to get along with the people that mattered. 
and with those who that didn't matter, right? The prisoners, the kings, he was cool with all of them. He got on their good side and, and they saw that God was with Joseph. Some of the decisions that Joseph made had an impact on God's people. In the Old Testament, that was the Israelites. He didn't just help his own immediate family. He didn't just help his immediate circle, his immediate generation even, but he changed generation on generation for the better. He showed them how to strengthen themselves and strengthen their faith, okay? Some of the things in his story have done that for God's people since then and still continue to do that. If you want to uh, find out some introductory material about Joseph, you could go to Genesis 37, I believe, and you keep going up from there, um, 41, 42, it keeps going. So Joseph at this point is in Egypt. In chapter 41 of Genesis, Joseph in Egypt and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, met. Okay, they met because Pharaoh has a dream and Joseph is there to interpret and tell him what this dream means. And Joseph starts out saying, God alone interprets dreams. So he's letting Pharaoh know whatever he says is because that's what God said. According to Jacob, who's saying this is what God is showing Pharaoh, the dream means that seven years of great abundance, prosperity in the crops and the growth um, of the the animals, the health of the animals, the health of the crops that you grow are going to be really good this year to the point where you'll have way more than, than you have. So seven years of that will come to Egypt, abundance. And then after that, seven years of famine will take place and all of the abundance will be forgotten. The seven years of famine, where there's no food, there's, there's dry, sometimes it's a drought and a famine, a drought is like there's no water, there's no rain to water your crops, so now you have no crops. Seven years of famine is going to come after the seven years of abundance, and the famine will be so bad that the people won't even remember how good those first seven years were. That's how bad it's going to be. So Joseph says, listen, that's what God is showing you in a dream. You should consider yourself a blessed man because he's actually giving you time to see that um, and to prepare. So Joseph said, listen, here's my advice. And then we read in from Genesis 41, 33 through 36. Remember, this is thousands of years ago. And they're speaking Hebrew, not English. So sometimes the words sound a little misplaced or old school, but that's because it is very old school language. But the meaning is very real and necessary for us today. So he says, now let Pharaoh, right? Joseph is saying to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land. So like one fifth, you know, a fraction. So the overseers are going to uh, manage and, and to keep watch of the land to take 
one-fifth of the crops of the harvest during the seven years of abundance. So just one out of every five plants, say you grow plants, one out of every five, they're going to give to um, these overseers. This is Joseph's idea about what to do to prepare for the famine. Let him take those, uh, that fraction during the good years. In verse 35, it says, let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. Under Pharaoh's authority, store the grain, right? The one-fifth that you take, store it in the cities so that the cities will be able to preserve it as food. So you're going to provide for all the cities and for the country of Egypt during the seven years by, you know, carrying out this plan. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by famine. So this is what Joseph told the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He told him his dream meant seven good years and seven bad years. He gave him a plan of what to do. He said, you got to appoint somebody who you trust, who's a smart man, wise and discerning is the word that he used, the words. And they could take a fraction of the excess, you know, the extra food that we grow during the good years, and we'll save it for, you know, the last seven of famine as a reserve. So the kingdom of God reveals itself in so many stories, in so many ways of life, in so many themes and ideas that come out and glimpses, right? And that's why Jesus was able to tell so many parables and stories because he would always say the kingdom of God is like, and then boom, he started telling a story about a father and a son or a sheep and a shepherd or telling a story about um, a woman and, and some coins or, or a guy in heaven and hell talking and any kind of story you could think of. He was saying the kingdom of God is like that in this way. And all throughout the Bible, we see those kinds of stories and pictures play out that are sort of glimpses of what the kingdom of God is like. And so I want to point to some things in this story that we can truly use in the kingdom of God. But when it comes to our own souls, when it comes to our own uh, standing before God, Let's look at this story real quick and see what we can learn, see if there's any similarities. I think there are. In our souls, there are seasons of abundance and prosperity. I'm not talking about money. Souls have seasons of abundance and prosperity. Your soul has seasons of famine and drought of desperation. Your soul has seasons of great joy, of great, you know, times, of great experiences. And then your soul will have seasons where it just feels empty. You feel starved. You feel thirsty. Talking about your soul. And if we can see some of the things in this story that are able to be used for our souls, if we can see that, not just how to come out of those famine and drought seasons, because 
there's always going to be both. There's always going to be abundance at times, and there's always going to be the drought at times. But what you can do is during that drought, you can be more prepared than you were if you had never known there was a drought coming. Okay, if Joseph didn't know what that dream meant, they go through their season of abundance, living the same, then the famine hits, and they're going to be just like the rest of the world, wiped out. But with knowledge beforehand of this famine coming, Joseph was able to sustain the country. Didn't say they prevented the famine or they got out of the famine, but they sustained the country in the midst and throughout the famine. And we can do that with our souls when those seasons come where it's drought, famine, thirsty, I'm hungry. I'm not feeling any experience in this life when it comes to my soul. I am not feeling things. I'm not uh, seeing things like I used to. I'm not living the way I used to. When those seasons of drought and famine come, we don't have to be starving and hungry like the other countries were when it happened. We can have a way to sustain and even grow in the middle of the famine, in the middle of the drought. So Joseph, the first thing he says is find a wise and discerning man. It takes a discerning and wise person to properly prepare for a season of famine. Joseph says, find a wise and discerning person that can do this. So you have to be a wise and discerning person in order to do this. And I'm not saying that to discourage you if you don't feel wise or discerning. What I'm saying is the Bible tells us, it tells us how to be discerning and how to be wise. So if you just said, I don't think I'm wise, I don't think I'm discerning, the Bible tells you how to. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. So Moses says, look, I taught you the statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me. So statutes, not statue, like a standstill thing. Statutes, with a T, are like laws. When they say statutes and ordinances, that's like law and orders, like the things that you write on paper as legislation and then the orders that you give as, as a result of those things. So statutes and ordinances is like the law and then the orders. And Moses says, look, I taught you law and order as the Lord my God told me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to possess. Carefully follow them for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. Some translations say, this will show your wisdom and discernment or your discernment and understanding. He says, I taught you the statutes and ordinances. I taught you the law and order from God. Now, if you carefully follow that, it will show your wisdom and discernment. The same two words Joseph used. How to be wise and discerning. What does it mean to be a, a wise person or someone who is discerning? It means you follow and you obey what God says. Now, if you do that, if that is the life you are trying to live, then you will be able to properly prepare for famine. Right? First point is be wise and be discerning. Obey God. The second point is let Pharaoh appoint other people. 
appoint some overseers, go through the city and get one fifth of the extra crops, not just taking a big tax, but of what you usually make and the extra, the surplus was going to be so big that they can still take one fifth from everyone. So appoint other people. Many times in our seasons of abundance and prosperity, again, I'm not talking about money. I mean, of our soul. Okay. I just don't want you to think when I say abundance and prosperity, I'm talking about money in your pockets because I'm not. But I do mean an immense amount of growth in your soul, an immense amount of resources from your soul. When you are there, look for and appoint people, appoint pastors, appoint some elders in your life who can make sure you are preparing for famine because you can say, all right, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to prepare for famine. But if no one is holding you accountable, caring about you enough to make sure you're doing this, this walk is hard. You know, this life as a Christian is difficult. No one said it's going to be easy. And so sometimes you need people looking out for you, making sure that you are going to do what you're saying. Following these steps or praying for these things can get lonely. But if people are in your life for that purpose, it's beneficial for our souls and for our families. So find and appoint people that can keep watch and manage the crops during the surplus in our souls, right? Managing our souls is our responsibility. But having someone to keep watch and help manage is a huge matter of importance that we often forget. We just make friends who might be in the same church and they might be in the same line of thinking and believing. But are they keeping watch over the management of your soul? Are they keeping watch of how you're doing managing your own soul? That kind of friend, that kind of influence in your life is helpful, it's necessary. Joseph told Pharaoh, listen, find a wise and discerning man, let him appoint some people. So be wise and discerning and appoint some people in your life for your soul. The third point, he was to appoint these people so that they can manage during the season of abundance. During the time of abundance, you need to be making sure that you're managing your soul. Not when it feels, oh, I'm not managing it right now. I got to manage it. But thinking ahead about the famine, this is important because if we start trying to manage the crops during the famine, there will be very little to manage. What I mean is there won't be much soul left. Now, if you're alive, just know it's never too late. But I do mean a lot less soul and willingness is there when you're in the famine. Your will is not as strong. You want to do this and this the right way. But in that season, it's hard to get yourself motivated for that. So that's why other people come in now in the surplus. And so next week... We'll be learning some more from this story. As I said, we made some changes, and so we're going to do a part two for next week. But, but for this week, we've learned that obeying God's word, 
being wise and discerning. We've learned that uh, we need to appoint people when we're in those abundant seasons, when we're in those good times to appoint people um, to, to manage and help us keep watch over our souls. And we need to be thinking ahead during those seasons of abundance, be thinking about, okay, what is helpful for me now? And how can I prepare and leave things for myself for that time of famine? What can I leave for now and, and save for that famine time so that I can be prepared for it, so that I can be sustained in that famine, okay? Take these steps as something to remember. Take this story as something to remember for our own lives and for the promises of God that we can stand on if we believe in Christ. So we're going to look a little bit more into that next week in the part two of preparing for famine. And like I said, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for bearing with me, you know, breaking this down into parts. Um, and I hope you guys have a great week.